Thanks for downloading this podcast from The Rock of York. We hope it inspires you. If you have any questions or comments, we'd love to hear from you. You can get in touch with us on Twitter, at The Rock of York, or search for The Rock of York on Facebook. And of course, there's the website at www.rockofyork.co.uk. But you probably already knew that. Here's something you might not know. Dream big, I can do it. Dream big. See, you're all smiling already. I can do it. I can do it. I can do it. Feel good. I can do it. Feel good. I can do it. We can sing with the chorus now, ready? Joy, joy, joy. It's all there for me. Joy, joy, joy. You see, you're all smiling. Joy is the key. I think that deserves... That is such a good intro song, isn't it? Now, I have to be honest, I was, in, I was terribly nervous about playing that song. Because I'm aware, okay, the, the mix on it is not great. And it's a little bit cheesy. Okay, I get that. But every single face in this room, pretty much everybody, had a big grin on their face. And why? Because you kind of got the gist. It was talking about fun. It was talking about joy. It was talking about life. And all of you could just kind of like let go and not take it too seriously. And I think there's a lesson to learn from that, that sometimes we just take things a little bit too seriously. And we need to have a little bit more fun. Don't we? And that's okay. We're allowed to have fun, yeah? And tonight, I really hope that what I talk about um, really inspires you to release you into a place of where we can actually start to have some fun and really feel that essence of joy. Because I believe that ultimately, um, the gospel and the good news should be just that good. But it shouldn't be good in the respects of that we're trying to say, okay, like we've said in the past, it's good with terms and conditions. What we're saying is it's so good that you have a right to feel happy. You have a right to release yourself. You have a right to feel joyful. You have a right to say, actually, life is good. And through all of the things that I'm facing, through all of the contrast of, of the terrible stuff that I'm experiencing here and all the good stuff I'm experiencing, actually, all of it is brought into the same picture and said, actually, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I feel like we're all in a good, I think the music tonight, it was great to be up here because sometimes, you know, the flow of lyrics and words, if you notice, every song kind of tied into where we're kind of going to, and I think it just sets things up really, really well. Um, so, my the title of my, my, my talk tonight is um, A Joy That Overcomes. For the, the video that you saw at the beginning, the wake up video, we've been trying to look a little bit more in focus at some of these key points that we believe are the absolute essence of what this house is built on. Um, for the last 15 years, we've done a lot of deconstructing here of things that we think, actually, uh, if you were here on Wednesday night, Barbara, she really did preach it at the end. She was absolutely incredible when she was saying there, has, hasn't there been some mischief introduced into the narrative? Some serious mischief that has caused such a problem for so many people. And yet, what we've done with the wake-up video, and like Chris said the other week, we're not going to apologize for it. I mean, I think it's amazing. I think the job that Kev did on it is just, it is world-class, that video. Um, 
I mean, it gives me tingles every week because I think, do you know what? That is seriously good stuff. And yet every week you go through the notions and then you come back and you sit again and think, I forgot that this week, I forgot that this week. And actually what we're saying up there, we believe, is categorically built in to the network of everything around us. That is the kingdom that's within And ultimately, all of that stuff that you read at the beginning, you can access, not because you have to earn it or strive for it, but because it is already within you. Yeah? And that's great. I feel like I could stop now. (laughs) Right. Okay, so joy that overcomes. So I want to, first of all, put some slides up. Uh, Just a few scriptures that I found that are all about joy, just to set the scene. So the first one is Isaiah 9.3. You have enlarged the nation and increased their what? Good. Nehemiah 8.10. Do not grieve, Father, of the Lord is your strength. This is my favorite now. Isaiah 35.10. They will enter Zion with singing. Everlasting will crown their heads. Gladness and will overtake them. And sorrow and sighing will flee away. That's awesome, isn't it? You know, when someone sighs and they go, <sighs> we, do, we want rid of that, don't we? But actually, life's good, yeah? 1 Thessalonians 5.16, do you like this one? I felt like <clears throat> it kind of is about joy, so I thought I'd just change the spelling of rejoice. It kind of worked quite well, so rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. And then the last one, Psalm 16.11, You make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with, in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. So, sometimes we can think that this joy thing is made up, when actually all through the Bible, which is, you know, something that we read, something that we study, it's presenting this very much. Actually, the essence of all that is, is about you finding this sense of peace, this sense of joy, this sense of all the good stuff, yeah? that God's trying to let flow to you. So I've uh, put up on the screen what, what the joy definition is in the dictionary, and it says this, a feeling of great pleasure and happiness, jubilation, triumph, happiness, glee, exhilaration, euphoria, delight, exuberance. Nice words out there. Now, I know we're not there all the time, and I know I'm certainly not. It was really funny when, I, when Jenny came in tonight, I'm still on the stage, and I had one of these moments where I'm thinking so much of this that I could hardly not focus on. And she went, it's so wonderful to see so much joy flowing out of you. <laughs> and it made me laugh, because I just thought, actually, you're probably right, and I'm there like this. Anyway, so I then worded it in my own phrasing, because I thought, this is what, when I think of joy, this is what I believe it to be. So if you put the next slide. A manifestation that indicates alignment with who you truly are, a place of no resistance, and a place of allowing. Now, that might sound a bit wordy initially, but hopefully as we go through tonight, all that will kind of come to I'll just read that again. A manifestation, so joy is the manifestation, that indicates alignment with who you truly are, a place of no resistance, and the place of allowing. I said on Wednesday that um, one of my most favorite talks, mainly because it resonates so much with me, was when Anne talked about, he used the movie The Fifty Shades of Grey and talked about how the church has a lot of parallels with regards to this sense of you're taught that to feel bad is somehow a good thing, 
and to feel good is somehow a bad thing. And it, there's, there's, that has kind of molded the sense of the mainstream church, particularly in the West, of how, in effect, feeling bad means that you've got a reason then to come and repent, and then that makes you feel good again. But then if you feel too good, you think, well, actually, am I sinning? Am I doing wrong? And is God going to be happy with me? So then this cycle continues, and we're all there. We've all been there. And some of you tonight might still struggle with that, might believe that somehow... To feel okay, it's almost questioning, well, am I okay? Have I, have I done this wrong? And have I done this wrong? Is God going to be okay with me? Um, well, I want to say, yes, actually, God is okay with you. And we're going to get to that in a minute, okay? Um, now, the early church, way back, right at the beginning, right? Um, the founding fathers of our faith, right? They were known for their joy. So you can read testimonials, you can read... Um, Things that have been written up about the early church where it was all about their sense of joy. Now, things have shifted since then because, again, mischief was introduced and a lot of people started to have their own opinions and things like that of what was going on. But you see that if it's all based on joy, then what that then creates is something quite different than when it's based on what we call law and what we call all these things, this exclusive thing that somehow makes you feel, well, what do I need to do to tick the voices in Boxes, boxes in order to attain that. <clears throat> now, could it be, getting back to my slide earlier on where I talked about the manifestation that indicates alignment with who you truly are, a place of no resistance and the place of allowing. Could it be that a lack of joy comes from a flawed perspective that somehow we are not enough and that we are unworthy? Do you hear me? It could be, yeah? That potentially... You don't even need to be sat in this room tonight to find that this exists everywhere. That people are continually questioning, am I okay? Am I worthy? Am I somehow going to be accepted? Do you get that? Now, what does that do? We have a joy depletion. So you sit around someone who's not quite sure whether they're in, that whether they're accepted or not, and you're not going to find much joy. Why? Because they're unsure, they're unsure of who they are and whether they're worthy or not. Does that make sense? I know that in my life, I have spent a lot of time battling over the issue of unworthiness, that feeling of the sense that, am I okay? Is everything going to be all right? Am I somehow ticking the boxes or whatever? And the problem with that, the baggage that you're trying to carry around, and you just think, oh, like, do I really have to hold all this? There was no joy. But then what if, understanding the worthiness that we've been told we have from this wonderful thing that we call God, the backpack can be dropped off, all this baggage, and you can actually say, I'm free. Do you get what I mean? You can see where then the joy starts to flow. Is this making sense? Good. I have to say that. It's part of my preach. It's actually in my notes. Is this making sense? Right, so <clears throat> now we can ask the question, how can we feel joy when things are so bad and the world is in such a mess? Is that a valid question? And I can hear you all saying it. It's something that as I was writing these notes, I thought we have to touch on that because actually um, we could say that at the minute there are a lot of, it's very politically heavy at the minute. There's lots going on, right? To be honest, I would say that it's always politically heavy. It just happens to be that there's a lot of people throwing out their thoughts at the minute, which somehow makes it feel more heavy. Um, but I would like to say that there are actually a lot of good things going on in the world as well. Uh, and, and this isn't to, uh, to slam the media, but generally they're not televised, right? And I'm not saying that, you know, to, to be weird. 
generally, we don't get told, in contrast, a lot of the wonderful things that are going on. Generally, if you switch the radio on or the news, it's usually like, oh, like this is going on in Iraq or Syria, or we've got Trump here and we've got whatever. And it, it's quite intense, isn't it? And even that in itself can make you feel a little bit like, oh my word, like what's going on? Now, can you ever fully change that mess of which we're talking about? So how can we feel joy when the world is in such a mess? Can you ever fully change that mess while ever that mess is controlling how you feel? It's a valid question, isn't it? So really what we're saying is we want to try and change it whilst we're being so influenced by it, which ultimately takes away our joy. And actually, we can never really have a positive effect while ever our joy is taken because we become so overwhelmed by what we see. Does that make sense? So that's my first thing. There's a, there's a thing that I read a couple of weeks ago that said this. You no longer think the thoughts, the thoughts think you. Do any of you ever feel like that? It's almost like you've completely lost control of the thoughts that you're having. It's like the thoughts are thinking you now. It's like, I don't even feel like I've got to try to have these thoughts. It's like it's all just happening. Some, some degree, it's exactly the same with what's happening in our world. We tend to focus so much on it that I feel that we then lose our own joy, which means that we can't then make the positive steps that will ultimately create a change. Yeah? Now, I came off social media a few weeks ago. Um, I've been on and off it for quite a while. Now, this, this preach isn't about whether you should be on social media or not. I'd just like to clarify. But I feel like this is very important because this was actually the basis of why I want to, what I'm talking about tonight. Um, now, leading up to that point where I decided to deactivate um, these accounts, <clears throat> um, I'd started to follow and like a lot of pages. For those of you who aren't on social media, basically it's just people who post things, who, who are sharing their opinion on certain things. And... And um, I'd started following these pages that were very much based on politics and people's opinions. And because I thought, actually, I'd really, I really want to know what's going on. And I would say in about a two-week period, I really started to, to sense that there was something really wrong with me. I felt very, very heavy. I felt very unhappy. Um, now... You know, there's always, there's always stuff that you can see or read that might potentially challenge your peace. But you know, I, I felt very different. I mean, for example, it would be midnight or quarter to one in the morning, and I would still be sat on my phone reading these blogs and posts. And, you know, it, I just kind of felt, you know, what's going on here, right? And I thought, no, 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 actually, I feel that for, a, for the time being, I need to personally to, to stop this for a while because I don't feel like it's healthy. Um... Now, the reason why I did it was because I was finding that so much of my feelings and beliefs were being shaped by all the opinions and things that everybody was saying to each other. And I was thinking, and I'd see something that I didn't like, and I'd be like, but that's not true. And of course, I'd want to put my two pedals and say, I don't think you're right. I think, and I'm thinking, whoa, like surely this can't be can't be good for me, and actually, it's not really going to fix anything. Do you get what I'm saying? So I decided, actually, for the time being, I'm going to just take a break and have a gap and find some peace and some joy for me. Um, now, I'd also seen an article, um, which, I, which, again, on this, this basis of, of joy and things, um, we can often end up being like the very thing 
that we don't like. Does that make sense? So for example, I found the very things that were frustrating me that I saw, I would then react in exactly the same way back to challenge the thing that I didn't like, but then I realized I was actually then a match to exactly the same thing that I'd seen. And I'd seen a, a recent story about, some of you will know the singer Jennifer, Jennifer Holliday, who was in the original Dreamgirls, um, and she did an interview on how she had, she had offered to sing for the inauguration. Now, of course, that's a very, very you know, intense subject. Um, but she hadn't even followed the media. She didn't even know what was going on. She'd just been asked. She woke up the following morning to death threats, um, all her fans telling her that they would basically leave her side if she sang at this event. Now, I'm telling you this for a reason. Just see what's happened. That the very thing that they were trying to bolt against, they ended up doing to this other person. Do you, do you see what happens? So you end up in this vicious cycle of lots of nasty things being said. And where is the joy? Do you hear me? Where's the life? And this is what ultimately we're wanting to try and find out. As, as a community of believers in our house, we want to be a segment of light and joy to our world, don't we? Jesus said, I want you to be what? Light. And I want you to be salt. Basically, flavoring to the earth. And I think that that's what we need to ultimately be striving for all the time, is to be that to our world. Is it making sense? Good. So when Jesus said, love your enemy... Did he say it just to be annoying? <laughs> Sometimes I think he did. It's like, oh, did you have to go and say that? No, but you see, he realized that in responding to your enemy in exactly the same way that they have treated you does not change the way that you feel about you. And most certainly doesn't change the world around you. But loving your enemy is the place of no resistance and the place of allowing. See, Jesus said, allow the wheat and the tares to grow together. Chris did a preach about it a few months, well, quite a few months back now, and it was absolutely incredible. Are we willing to allow our light to shine through and allow that to, to be what it is, love our enemy so a higher order can take its place? Does that make sense? <clears throat> now, what if the purpose of our life, what if the purpose of all life is to experience this, this incredible joy. Think about it. You know, Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. Not I have come that you might struggle and feel really bad about yourself. I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. Now that in itself is the most encouraging thing ever. He's telling us actually, I want you to be full of life. It's just awesome. Now joy has nothing to do with circumstances. Just like, and said in the past, peace has nothing to do with the absence of conflict. Hear that? Some of you will believe that somehow to get joy, you have to make everything okay. We're not saying that. Joy has nothing to do with circumstances. You see, I have seen many people who are justified in feeling miserable, but yet they are full of joy. Yeah? But likewise, I have seen many people who you would think generally are okay and actually seem very unhappy. So you can see that actually you can't base it on that. Do you get what I'm saying? It's nothing to do with what people are facing. It's to do with an essence of what we believe. Does that make sense? We are often tuning into ways of thinking, often all of us, 
that are so destructive but are not even aware of it because it's just become our default way of living. Now, one of the reasons we may struggle to step into joy is because we already have so many, listen to this, preconceived notions of who we think we are and so many preconceived ideas of what we think we should be doing or what other people should be doing. Is anybody with me on that? We do, don't we? We preconceived ideas, this is what I should be. I think one of my first ever preachers was a message called The Tyranny of the Shoulds. I should be this, I should be that, they should be this, they should be this, and then everything's going to be okay. And then you realize when all those boxes are ticked, you still don't feel okay. Because that's actually not what makes you feel okay. Yeah? Wouldn't it be nice if we stepped out of that way of being, all these preconceived notions, and just all started being a little bit nicer to ourselves? Sounds so simple, doesn't it? But just started being a little bit nicer to ourselves and realize that we do not have to earn or justify God's love. There is nothing you can do to earn or justify God's love towards you. Zilch. Nothing. Likewise, you can try and do as much as you want, or you can do as little as you want, and that doesn't make him love you any less or any more or whatever. Do you get, do you get what I'm saying? It just is what it is. Yeah? Now, we sadly have been sold this lie that somehow God's love comes with provisions. You know, okay, actually, God's love is there, but, 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 and then what do we do? Oh, we end up in this really, really dark place where we can't function because we think, actually, oh, am I okay? Am I not okay? Then if I'm not okay, then he's definitely not okay because he's doing the same thing as me. Do you get what I mean? All then becomes about comparisons. So, in one breath, we sing, You're a good, good father. It's one of our anthems here, isn't it? Yeah, it's a great song. You're a good, good father. We state God is love. We declare, and I love this, God holds no record of wrongs. But we insist on counteracting these thoughts with contradictions all the time. You're a good, good father. But God holds no record of wrongs. But... Do you hear what's happening? Voices. Louder than the voice that whispers you're unworthy. These voices in your ears that are somehow telling you to contradict the very reality of everything, which is God loves you. God loves you. And it's an incredible, incredible release on the soul when you start to grasp that. And again, like I said before, it doesn't mean that the things that we face in life, we're not going to be walking on particular paths that sometimes we feel pain, sometimes we feel, but whatever. But the center is ultimately an overwhelming joy that says, actually, and I was saying to Alison earlier on, what does Paul say about no matter whether I'm alive or dead, actually, we win. Do you get it? that whatever you face in life, you will still ultimately win. Now that, to me, is the joy of the resurrection that the early church were talking about. With resurrection, we live in a cycle. Things die, what's going to happen? You raise. Yeah, in every single situation of your life, there is always a rebirth of something. Some of you tonight may have lost something precious, you may have felt pain, you may have felt a struggle. And in spite of that, 
I guarantee you that new mercies come every morning, that a fresh perspective will come your way and you will find that you will feel delivered and free from all of that stuff and you will start to see other things flow to overcome those pains that you have faced. That's my hope for all of us tonight, that we can overcome those things and and move forward. So what does it mean? Weeping may endure for a night, but joy, but joy. Do you see the difference? God is love, but am I really worthy? Do you get that? We've started with a positive, but yet us humans always seem to contradict it and manage to flip it on its head and make it a bad thing. But you see what this is saying is, no, start with where you stand, which might be a little bit naff, right? But what does it say? But joy, but joy, but joy, but joy, but joy comes when? In the morning. Now, what makes morning so important? It's new. It's new, isn't it? The idea being that that when this was written, they understood that the very essence of creation way back in Genesis, which was, let there be light. Let there be. Let there be goodness. Let there be the separation of morning and night, all this good stuff that was coming into play, really original blessing, that's what it was all about. It was about God saying, I am making this and shaping out of the rubbish something that looks absolutely spectacular. But you see, it works the other way around because what God says is, yeah, weeping may endure for a night, but, 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 but joy comes in the morning. And that's where our hope lies. We wake up, We have a new morning, new mercies. New mercies, the sun will rise, even though it doesn't rise, if you get the (laughs) air. After after I've said that, that's really funny, you know, you find yourself talking to someone saying, you know, when the sun came up, and it's like, well, actually, no, it didn't, did it? No. Don't we make things complicated? Now, some of you are probably asking, but I have felt so unhappy, and hear me on this, I have felt so unhappy for such a long time. So when I was writing this, I'm thinking, I want to try and touch on some of the things that just are normal questions. What would we normally ask? Yeah, but I've felt like this for so long that I wouldn't even know where to start with what you're saying, yeah? This is where often we can go wrong. We try and get someone who is here to hear and then wonder why they, they kind of drop off the edge a little bit. Do you get what I'm saying? And this is anywhere. This would be with regards to ministry. It would be with regards to teaching in colleges, universities, or whatever. You have to have a process in which you educate and you help people understand. If you set off now, you can't click your fingers and end up in Manchester. You have to get in your car. You have to set your direction. And ultimately, then, along the way, you start to understand that you are heading to Manchester. And hopefully, you will arrive in Manchester, because that's where you've set your direction. Does that make sense? Where am I? So, we were in York, and now we're in Manchester. Um, Yeah, some of you asked, I don't even know what, what I'd be looking for. Now, feeling of unhappiness is caused by this. Now, often we can say, oh, well, it was this thing that happened, it's this. I'm, I'm gonna word it in a slightly different way. Feelings of unhappiness are no different to somebody who feels full of happiness. All it is is this, momentum. Momentum. Right, now let me explain. 
All that a belief is are thoughts that you have practiced. A belief is practiced thought. So when you say the same thing, why does someone who ends up hooked on cigarettes, they say smoke 40, you'll be hooked? Momentum, one, an hour later, two, their thought, go and get a cigarette, three. Do you get it? It becomes a belief. Because in effect, what we said earlier, those thoughts now think you. You no longer feel like you have any power. Why? Because basically these cogs are now turning so fast because it's become, in effect, a habit. It's just what we do. So it's like momentum. In effect, we become a little bit like a runaway train that loses its brakes. It's like, how on earth am I going to get off this train? Because you kind of want to, but if you jump, well, you get what I'm saying, right? So the question would be, how do we create a different belief? How, how do we create a different belief? It's as simple as this. Now, I almost feel bad for saying that, but when uh, Chris says to me, a.k.a. mum, she says, uh, okay, she says, uh, so this is where you're at. She says, so how are you now going to create new thoughts in a way that overcomes that which you're facing? Because what you're feeling is not untrue. See, see, see this is interesting. We think that because we've been told that we should be joyful, that what we're facing almost somehow is not taken seriously. What you are feeling is probably incredibly true. Now, yeah, I get it. Sometimes we can... Uh, I said a while back, he said, sometimes what you believe happened in the past is not always what actually happened because we can, over time, start to change those things. Do you get what I'm saying? But generally, we are where we are because of very valid feelings and beliefs about experiences that we've had. So no one is saying that you are wrong for being where you are. What we are saying is the, ex the exact same focus that you have put onto those thoughts that have brought you to where you are, you do have the same power to create new thoughts which will ultimately take you from here to here. Now that's where your hope is. Now, if I couldn't offer you that tonight, in effect, there's no good news, is there? Do you get what I'm saying? If all we're saying is, in the midst of your struggle, God is love and he'll, he'll stroke your arm, that's all well and lovely. But if we really believe we can thrive, if we really believe that it's a joy that what? Overcomes, then actually there, there must be something that we get to experience that is better than where we've been. Does that make sense? So I, all, all of us in here tonight, and I'm the same, I have many, many beliefs in my life. And do you know why? Because I practice them daily. I wake up, I practice them, and they're not healthy. They are not bringing me life. I tell myself, you know, oh, well, you know, when you get up and sing and you don't get this response, it must mean. I mean, come on. Do you get it? You say it to and why? Because of things that have happened in the past, things that I've experienced in my family, things that I've experienced in school or whatever. So what do you do? You practice those thoughts every day and wonder why when you get to 34 years old, you still believe the same thing. And it's because I haven't woken up in the morning and said, where are my eyes today? What am I looking at? New mercies. I'm looking at the fact that I have a wonderful home. I have a wonderful family. I have a wonderful church. I have a job that I love. I have 
so many wonderful things to be grateful for. And ultimately, I'm going to start practicing those thoughts. Do you get it? So we start training ourselves to practice those things that ultimately will switch our perspective onto this joy that then will overcome. I hope this is clear. I think it's really exciting. Right, we're nearly there. Now, it's landed perfectly because I thought I'd lost my notes, but we're right here. Just said about changing your perspective and starting practicing new thoughts. Listen to what Philippians 4 verse 8 says. Have we got this one on on the screen? Listen to this. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Wow. In effect, what Paul said there is what I'd said before. Yeah? It's almost identical. He's basically picked up on the fact that he understands that you will be able to find around you anything you don't like if you look for it. I remember once going for a doctor's appointment. Do you know what he said to me? I was very ill. I got to a place where I was very, very, very poorly. Um, and I was convinced I was dying, and I wasn't. But you know when you get to that point where you, are, you feel so unwell? And I ended up being at the doctor's every single week. And he kind of, luckily, I've known him since I was a young boy, so he was kind of quite, and I never go to the doctors. So it was quite, to him, he was even a little bit like, what's going on? And I'd had these lumps that I'd found, and they were getting bigger, and it was, you know, it was all quite nerve-wracking. But then, of course, I then started finding more lumps. Little lumps in my legs and under my arms and in my back and in my neck and behind my ears, and, oh, and I'm thinking, it's getting worse. It literally is getting worse. I'd go back to the doctor. And I remember one week I saw a different doctor. It was this, this lady doctor who was very, very lovely. She said, no, I agree with him. You're not dying. You're fine. We've done blood tests, whatever. And I said, yeah, but what about all these? And she went, yeah, they'll have been there before. And I'm like, whoa, mate. You're not taking me seriously now. I hardly ever come. Look at me like I'm, you know, making some sense here. And she went, no, 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 seriously. She went, I could challenge anybody to go home and basically... Yeah, they would find little bubbles and whatever that they'd never felt, but they've always been there. Do you get what I'm saying? But you see what happened? Because something had triggered a fear, I then started looking for, for stuff. And what did I find? I found what I was looking for. Do you get what I'm saying? I wanted to use that as a practical example. And she was like, no, they've always been there. It's just that your eyes are set on trying to find problems and you're actually ultimately finding them. Now, isn't it true? Have you ever found when you start off your day irritated, for some reason, everyone seems to be driving a bit slower? (laughs) And, And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, York City Council deliberately set the lights to go red all the time. They happen to have gone in through the night knowing that you would be annoyed the following morning and do it on purpose just to wind you up. Do you get what I'm saying? So you wake up with that feeling and it's like everything just seems to be going wrong. However, and I stand by this as well, and I know that I've had a bit of a week like this, start to shift your perspective on the things that are nice around you. Okay, yeah, you're still going to have little things that wind you up, but it doesn't hit you the same way. It does not. I'm telling you, and I feel that that is definitely knowing that I experience both sides, and we all do, 
You know that feeling, don't you, when you just feel okay, that you're like, actually, in spite of all this, there's this joy that overcomes that seems to be flowing from you. And why? Because you are settled, that you are okay, that you are worthy, that there's nothing to earn or strive for, that God is love, he holds no record of wrongs. You get what I'm saying? All that wonderful stuff that's flowing. So I'm nearly there. I hope this has been helpful to you all. So we're nearly there, and then we're going to do communion. Um, There's a word that we use a lot called unconditional. Unconditional love, unconditional favor, unconditional worthiness, unconditional, we'll use joy for this, because that's what we're talking about. So unconditional joy is not so much a goal as it is a process of living and of being. Do you get that? You don't necessarily get there because life is fluid and life has many different interactions. You are going to face people that don't see things the same way as you think them. Do you get what I'm saying? But it's about a process of becoming to, to this place that we call unconditional joy. So it's directional rather than destinational. Now, the process is this, a little bit like what Paul was saying earlier. You start to withdraw your attention from the conditions that prevent you from this experience. If you want to live in unconditional joy, how can you live in conditions? Do you get me? It's completely contrasting words. If you have conditions, it's not unconditional anymore. If it's unconditional, there can be no conditions because if you have conditions, it's no longer unconditional. Hear me, yeah? So you withdraw your attention from those very conditions. I'm going to explain how we do that. Basically, in other words, stop making conversation with the problem. And like Isaiah says in Isaiah 40, lift up your eyes on high, and I love this, and see who has created these stars. Doesn't that make you feel good? What he's saying is lift your eyes from where you are and look up and see who created those stars. It does something to the soul. It's incredible. But you see, humans have got this uh, great title called Condition Sifters. I read that in a book. Condition Sifters. If we are surrounded by good conditions, we feel joy. And if we are surrounded by bad conditions, we feel bad. Yeah? And that's, to some degree, what we taught from a young age. But could it be that the kingdom of heaven within... The alignment with who we truly are, which is this, this is my son in whom I am well pleased, means that we are able to live without any conditions whatsoever, having an impact on what we feel. That's unconditional joy. Yeah? And it's tough. It's tough. But again, we learn to focus on whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. Do you hear hear what I'm saying? So we need to stop being condition sifters, yeah? The reason why we need to stop being condition sifters is this. If you are someone who is conditionally focused, we try to change the condition. So all our energy goes into trying to change the condition of the things that you actually have no control over. Do you get that? You see other people doing things 
that are affecting the way you feel. So what do we do? We try and act in a way that will somehow fix that condition to make things okay. But actually, you've got no control over it because that's their world. That's their life. Do you get me? <clears throat> so what happens when that, when that occurs? We then start to become incredibly judgmental about the way we're living, but also then about how others are living. And you see, whatever we're trying to judge what others are doing against what we're doing, we can't have unconditional joy because you see what's happening. Everything is based on this thing that we call conditions. So you see little terms like this, and some of you will resonate with this. I felt happy until they did that to me. <laughs> it's true, isn't it? My day was going so well until they looked at me like that. Is this resonating? Yeah. How about this? I felt so good until I realized that council tax was going up 3.6%. Yeah. Isn't it true? You know, I try not to look at the newspapers when I walk down the aisle. I'm like this. Because I end up not shopping because I'm so like obsessed with what's going on. But it's true, isn't it? Your focus can end up so dominated by all these little things. And this is then the ultimate thing that happens. Now, I want you to laugh at this, right? I don't want you to take it too seriously. So this is what happens. We use what everybody's done to us as the reason to justify our sheer unhappiness for the rest of our life. And it is, it is funny because think about it. The amount of times that we're so unhappy because of things that people have done to us. And actually, we use that as the justification of why we feel that life is so bad. When actually, what we've got to say is no, because you see, what they do is not ultimately affecting how you feel joy. Because that's a condition. Do you get it? Unconditional love is about you know you're worthy. You know you are accepted. And... When you start to way back love your enemy, what does that do? It releases what? Resistance. And it allows the other person to also find that same love for themselves. So what we should be saying when, oh, uh, what did I say? I felt happy until they did that to me. We say, this is a condition. I'm trying to sift it. No. I am worthy. I seek unconditional joy. And I want to, by finding that joy within me, inspire that this situation, everyone has unconditional joy. Rather than hanging up offense, hanging up resentment, all these things that then ultimately steal away our joy in life because what we're doing, we're trying to sift through conditions. Yeah? This is my conclusion. And thank you for being very patient and listening to me. <clears throat> said this earlier on. Does this mean we can't feel emotion? Actually, it means you need to feel emotion. Actually, I'm going to even reword that. We are emotional beings. Yeah? We are resonating with things all the time. We are feeling constantly, sometimes without you even knowing what you're feeling, because it's happening in your subconscious, but we're feeling all the time. So for me to preach tonight and say to you, Stop feeling sad or stop. Or likewise, for someone who feels very happy, stop feeling happy. It's just ridiculous because all of us have got these emotions flowing all the time. So go ahead, feel angry, get mad for a second, you know, feel a bit resentful, feel a bit offended on occasion. If that's where you are, if you need to get it off your chest, whatever, here's the deal do not stay there. Do not, thank you, Georgia, we're on it. Do not stay there. Yeah? Move on. Find the joy. Who are you? You're a son with whom God is pleased. That's who you are. Yeah? It's absolutely incredible. 
Now, I'm going to read this to finish off, and then I would like, I want Danny to come and do the same song again. Now, here's the deal. We're going to take communion. Now, what is communion? It's a celebration at, we call it the Lord's table, right? We've called it here, pull up a chair. What does it mean? Inclusivity. It's not exclusive. Everybody is invited to pull up a chair. Now, think about it. What is that releasing? Conditions. If it's not exclusive, there can't be conditions because everybody's welcome. That is the place where unconditional joy and love resides, when you basically welcome everybody around this to say, unconditional joy flows here. Do you get that? When you look at somebody in the eye, when you come out and take it, you look them in the eye and see a reflection of the Father. You say, actually, unconditional joy is flowing to you just as it is me. We're not going to condition sift. It might be that you're face to face with a person who has wound you up the wrong way. What do you do? No, unconditional love is flowing. Unconditional joy is flowing. The difference being, and I want you to come out, we're not going to do it to a slow song. Now, I believe that there are, a there are times when we should take communion and we should do it as a place of contemplation and we should do it as a place of thinking where we open up our minds and things like that. But because the whole theme of tonight has been about joy, I want to... Continue. I want to celebrate. And, and, you know, and I think the song, you know, the words of, of Danny's song, you know, it's basically all about saying goodbye to yesterday. What is that? Weeping may endure for a night. And then I don't know what the next line is. I'd love to send. And I say yesterday. So what is that? Bye to yesterday, weeping may endure for a night. And I say yesterday being joy that comes in the morning. Do you get what I'm saying? So I feel that it works so perfectly. But let me read this to you before we do that. Above the fog... And all those in here tonight who feel like your life is foggy, and I really believe that there is somebody who believes like it's like fog. We call, when we go skiing, we call it pea soup. Basically, there's no difference between the slope than there is the sky. And it is incredibly terrifying to ski, Amy will tell you this, when you are skiing down at a very fast speed and you don't know where the edge of the mountain is. And I kid you not, we are not talking about, oh, well, it's a bit hazy. We are talking about blind white. Now, I feel that that's a word tonight, that someone feels that it's literally blind white. You cannot see the edges and you do not know. You're out of control. You're running down this hill. This is for you. Above the fog is blue sky. It just happens to be at this time... You cannot see that blue sky, but guess what? There's nothing you can do to get rid of that blue sky because the blue sky is there, right? Likewise, on a cloudy day, the sun is still shining above the clouds. Anybody who flies regularly, if you take off on an overcast day, what happens when you get over the cloud? It's incredible, isn't it? That blue sky and the sun, and there is something about it that's so overwhelming because you're like, wow, that is a sight to behold, yeah? But underneath, just a second ago, all you could see was murky grey sky, and then all of a sudden you come into this, what feels like just miles and miles and miles of crystal blue sky. Here's the truth, and here is a scientific fact. Fog will always lift, and the sun will always eventually Breakthrough cloud. It's the law of the universe. Yeah? Fog will lift 
and the cloud will break because the sun will shine through it. Now, when you become certain of this, you can comfortably sit in the fog, get this, unfazed by it. Why? Because you realize that as you set off on this process of thinking new thoughts and allowing all these good stuff, lifting your eyes to a new thing, you're aware that the fog is not going to last forever. Do you see where then the joy can come in? Wow, weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Some of you do not believe the sun is going to come. Well, I'm telling you, it's a fact of life. It's going to come. It's going to come. Instead of being mad at the fog, understand that it's only temporary and that the blue sky will always come through. So, as we do communion tonight, and I would love for you all to pull up a chair, all of you, yeah? As we take communion tonight, we're going to lift our eyes to what I said earlier. Let me just read it one more time. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And I want you to come out tonight with a group. I'd, I'd love for you to come out together, as many of you can get around it as you can. And I want you to celebrate. I want you to celebrate the joy that overcomes tonight. And I really want to believe that when you walk out of this building tonight, that you're going to see what is actually nighttime. But in a way, see blue sky. I want you to see blue sky. I want you to start to see everything that exists above that fog and realize that you're going to step into some incredible freedom. Sorry? Oh, gluten-free is in the white bowl. Yeah, because potentially we wouldn't have a joyous occasion if someone took the wrong bread. So, uh, yeah, we, let's, keep it, let's keep it good by everyone eating the right bread. So, uh, yeah, gluten-free, white, and I hope you've enjoyed your night, and I hope it's helped you. And have fun. Sing along after you've taken it. Go back to your seat. Sing the rest of the song with Danny, and then we will leave it there. All right, love you all. Thanks for listening. You might not be aware that The Rock is funded completely through donations from people like yourself. So if you feel like you're part of our community, it would be great if you could make a contribution by visiting our website at www.rockofyork.co.uk and just click on the donate button for more information. Thanks again. Thanks again.